Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be back to Life Church and uh, appreciate, appreciate this church, appreciate your pastor. It's a dear friend of mine. And uh, uh, how many are grateful for good friends? Huh? Grateful for uh, friends that are, that are two-way friends. You know, some, some friends you have, it's just a one-way <laughs> relationship where you have to do all the reaching out. But uh, uh, quite often I, I get a text or I get a call from, from Pastor Bob and, and appreciate his friendship. Uh, most of you know most, uh, a lot about our ministry. I'm not sharing a video this morning or anything. Uh, I do have newsletters in the back. Feel free to pick one up as you go out. If you don't get it, uh, love to have you just sign up to receive it on a monthly basis so that you can kind of keep track of what we're doing around the world. I want to just give you an update. Starting November 1, we're doing our first outreach to Africa. We've never done anything in Africa before, our, our media evangelism campaigns. It's the first time we're doing something in Africa. And it's in, um, it's in Juba, South Sudan. Uh, we would have never gone there, but the evangelical head, uh, the head of the evangelical union in South Sudan, at, at his own expense, flew to Finland and did a Macedonian call to us, just basically said, would you come help us? And met with the founder of our ministry, Hanu Hauka. And so um, because of that, we began the process about a year ago. And... Um, uh, South Sudan is, is kind of a different kind of a place because uh, it's very poor. It's been in civil war. They're, they're, they're in a truce right now. We're grateful for that. And um, so we went in and, and started doing documentaries on, on people's lives in South Sudan who'd come to Christ, uh, came ready for television. We're purchasing time on, on, on secular television for a month. Uh, starting November 1. Uh, but unfortunately, not a lot of people have television. So, so that's not going to be very effective as far as reaching lots of people. The same thing with radio. A lot of people can't afford even having, having, having a radio. And, and so, um, and most of you know, we, we, we print a follow-up book wherever we go that's got life stories in it right from their city and then evangelism materials. The problem is... Uh, it's 70% illiterate in, 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 in South Sudan. So most people can't read the book. So what do we do? Well, we came across a, a unit that's called Mega Voice. Yeah, and, and it looks like a little cell phone. It's solar powered so they don't have to plug it in um, or it doesn't lose power in a place like, like Sudan. Um, and they've told us in South Sudan if we put one per village, the whole village will end up listening to the whole thing. It's got life stories on it, uh, right from South Sudan. It's got Christian music on, on it from South Sudan. This is all in Arabic because that's their language. It's got, it's got the Gospel of John on it. It's got children's programming on it. So, so we're going to be reaching a lot of different people at a, at a lot of different levels. And um, we've purchased 20,000 units of, of this mega voice. And uh, we'll put one per village and then many of them, thousands of them in the city of Juba, uh, the capital city. 
And so I would ask you to pray with us. Um, we've, never, we've never used Mega Voice before. We've never done anything like this before. Um, this is a brand new outreach for us. And so we're, we're just believing God for just a, a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, we just pray together right now for, for South Sudan. A very dark place, a very difficult place, a very poor place, Lord, desperately needing the gospel. And I pray uh, that, Lord, as, as our ministry goes forth on television and radio and, and then using these mega voice units, we pray, God, that thousands of people in South Sudan would come to Christ. We pray that you would move by your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. We just believe you for that in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. Following uh, our outreach in Sudan, we're doing one in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Another outreach into Africa. And then following that in 2019, we'll be doing an outreach into uh, Mexico City. So it continues. Praise God. All right. John chapter 12, verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So we know this event. This is Palm Sunday event. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 21 and Mark 11, Luke 19, and here in John chapter 12. And we know that the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead was, was significant in the process of, 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 of the Palm Sunday event actually happening. The earthly ministry of Jesus at this point was, was, was almost concluding. It's interesting, Hebrews chapter 9, when it talks about the coming of Christ, it says, now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I, I asked the question, if the writer of Hebrews looked at the events that happened at the coming of Christ and said, this is the end of the ages, where are we now? <laughs> we, are, we are really close, I think, to the coming of Christ. I don't know, don't know when, just like Max said, don't know when Jesus is coming back. But we're no, we know it's nearer. We know we're much closer. At this point in time, in first century Israel, they were chafing under Roman occupation. It was a difficult time for Israel. 
There was a strong resistance movement that was growing. They were called the Zealots. It was organized by a guy by the name of Judas, whose father had been killed by Herod. They refused to pay taxes. They considered a religious duty to kill a Roman. It's interesting that one of the 12 disciples was Simon the Zealot. Um, Barabbas, who they chose, the crowd chose instead of Jesus at, at the crucifixion of Christ. The reason he was chosen was because he was a zealot. So he was very popular. Um, so there was a lot of tension going on at this point. But at the same time, there was a, a sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Russia right now at that, at, at that very moment. God used a young man by the name of John the Baptist kind of a wild guy, came out of the wilderness, came out of the Essene movement, wearing unusual clothing, having an unusual diet, probably looked kind of wild. He comes out and begins to preach this, this gospel of, 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 of repentance and preparing for the coming of Messiah. See, they, they were baptized in preparation for the coming of Christ. Now, now that's, that, that, that's this side of the cross, okay? All right, we're, we're on the other side of the cross, so when people are baptized now, we look back to the finished work of Christ. But they were looking towards the coming of Christ, and we're preparing for the coming of Christ, and, and, and God poured out his spirit upon Israel. Historians tell us that possibly 20,000 people at a time were coming out to be baptized by John at the Jordan. It was amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've talked to you about Russia before. Right now, today, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit all over Russia. You know that a few years ago, uh, Vladimir Putin, the, the president of Russia, signed into law an anti-terrorism law that really is an anti-evangelism law and, and is really restricted evangelism in Russia. But in spite of that, um, we're seeing tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, our follow-up book has been used as, as, as a primary tool for following up people who have come to Christ. We've, print, we've printed now over 6 million copies of that follow-up book in Russia. They're telling us in Russia that over a, a million people have come to Christ in Russia over the last two to three years. You know, in spite of the law, in spite of all this happening, there's this tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, it's not generated by, you know, by, by us or by, by anyone else, but by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing things. How many would love to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon America? We need it, don't we? Amen. I, I tell you, we probably haven't seen uh, a national awakening for 50 years. We've seen little, little fires here, little fires there, you know. We thank God for the ministry of Billy Graham. We thank God for others that God has used, no question about it. But we haven't seen a, a national awakening for 50 years when the Jesus People movement and charismatic movement kind of all happened at the same time. And, 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 it, and it went from coast to coast, went all over the country. So we need it again. And, and thank God it's happening in Russia now. Jesus said the hour had come in John chapter 12. This was God's ordained time, the fullness of time, Galatians 4 says, that God sent forth his son. Jesus had already been revealed at, at the baptism of, uh, by, by John. Um, he came teaching with unprecedented authority. I, I mean, some of us have, have listened to some ministry and, and, and have felt 
the, the unusual sense of the presence of God, but none of us have experienced preaching like Jesus preached. Can you imagine sitting under his ministry? That must have been amazing. Yeah. Demons, sickness, even weather, all subject to him. Feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. They try to make him king. He goes to his hometown. They try to kill him. <laughs> all this is happening all at one time. Now, it's at the close of his ministry. It's the time of the Passover, just before his crucifixion. Jerusalem normally was a city of about 600,000 people, but now... Probably two to three million people are in the city of Jerusalem. But Jesus is not there. He's about 21 miles east of Jordan. He's out there ministering, preaching, healing, ministering to people. And word comes to him that his friend Lazarus is sick. We see that in just the chapter previous in chapter 11. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And when Jesus heard it, he said, the sickness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he went running to Bethany. Is that what it said? No. no. It says when, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> The silence of God does not make any sense to us. Deuteronomy 29 says, The secret things belong to God, but that which he chooses, he reveals. He doesn't reveal everything. And we've probably, eight, every single one of us, have experienced times where we've seen God minister and God pour out his spirit and God do wonderful things, but we've also experienced seasons of silence where it seemed like God wasn't doing anything. It's all through the Bible. Noah. 120 years. Abraham, Joseph, Moses. I mean, no matter where you look, you see uh, illustrations of the silence of God. Elizabeth Elliot, when her husband died in 1956, Jim and four of his buddies, young missionaries, the Aka Indians, she said this, I had to face up to the fact in those stunning losses that God was indeed sovereign. Listen to this. True faith is operative in the dark. If we have explanations, if things are simple and clear, there is not much need for faith. God, I will trust you in the dark. I will trust you when things don't make sense to me. I will trust you when I don't have answers. That's important for all of us. So, here Lazarus is sick and, and his condition worsens and, and we don't know exactly what happened. Maybe his fever rises, his breathing becomes shallow and, and all of a sudden, and they keep on sending people out. Is Jesus coming? Is Jesus coming? No, he's not here, he's not here, he's not here. And finally Lazarus dies and there's, there's this tremendous confusion. Jesus, where were you? There's loss, there's confusion, there's grief. There's death. There's silence. 
There's a funeral. Romans chapter 8 deals with those moments in life when things don't seem to make sense. Because when things don't make sense, Satan roars in your ears and say, where is your God now? (laughs) If God truly loved you, wouldn't he have showed up for you at this moment? So Paul deals with that. And he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he lists things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. For your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, you may not relate to that, but there are Christians all over the world today that do. The statistics we had was 40 to 50,000 Christians are in labor camps in North Korea now. Recently, we just heard there's probably more than that. Christians, just because they love Jesus. So Paul says, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am sure, that not even death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything... Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Would you embrace that this morning? Nothing separates you from God's love. No matter matter what happens here on planet Earth, no matter what happens in your life, no no matter if you may experience seasons of silence where it seems that God is not moving and God is not working and and what you've been praying for has not happened. So Jesus finally leaves Bethany and he passes through the city of Jericho on his way to Bethany. And Mark chapter 10 tells this story. And as Jesus is going through the city of Jericho, there's a blind man. You know the story, blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting alongside the road. And he hears that Jesus is coming and he's he's heard wonderful stories of people who have been healed by the power of Christ. He's heard of people's eyes being opened. And he was blind. And he's sitting alongside the road and he begins to cry out because he wants to get attention. He begins to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You know what mercy is? Mercy is compassion that is power. Compassion that has ability to change that situation. Compassion where where the scripture tells us that that he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But thankfully, he's more than touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He can change our situations. Amen? How many have a couple things you'd like to see Jesus change? Amen. It's true for me. Amen. If Pastor Bob owed a million dollars and came to me and said, Dave, I owe a million dollars. Aren't you grateful you don't? (laughs) I'd I'd come alongside him and I'd say, oh, Bob, I really feel sorry for you. (laughs) But I couldn't do anything. (laughs) I just feel sorry for him. Look at my wallet and say, uh, 
What have I got here? Well, I'm sorry. Can't help you. <laughs> That's not mercy. Mercy is compassion that can do something. And blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, have mercy on me. You need mercy today? Yeah. <laughs> I need mercy today. You need mercy today? Just cry out. Yeah. Jesus, have mercy. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, have mercy. And so that he's, he's, he's crying out and people are kind of upset at him, you know, because, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing and this, this guy's crying out. And, and so... Uh, uh, in, 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 in Mark chapter 10, it, uh, the, the translators translated it nicely. Let me read it to you here from Mark 10. Son of David, have mercy on me. And, Jesus, and, 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 and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Well, that's a nice translation because it literally means they were telling him, shut up. <laughs> You know, it's very strong wording there. And so, and so here, this guy is crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And, and people are saying, just shut up, shut up. They wouldn't. Why? Because he was desperate. Are you desperate? God, we need to get desperate. The four guys who let, let their friend down through the room, they, they were desperate. I mean, they couldn't get in the house any other way, but hey, so what are they going to do? They're going to tear the roof off. Most of them would say, well, I'm sorry. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know, can't do anything. You know, desperation. God, help us to get desperate. Desperate for God. I think sometimes God is waiting until we get desperate. This guy's desperate. And in Mark chapter 10, it's a beautiful story. Jesus stopped and, and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. <laughs> People's attitude changed. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. This blind guy. Throwing off his cloak. What does that mean? Well, not much to us. We look at that and we think, well, okay. He was just excited. No, no, no. No, no. his cloak identified him as a blind beggar. You couldn't just sit by the side of the road and start holding your hand out for, for, for a handout. You know, for some of us, you know, you, you, you get off an off-ramp and you see a guy there with a sign. And, and I don't know about you, but for me, I think, you know, is this, is this for real? You know, we've all heard stories of guys that are making $60,000 a year standing alongside the road begging, you know. So, so back there, there was the same problem. And so, so you had to have a particular coat that you wore that identified you as a genuine blind beggar. But when he got up, he threw off the identity of himself as a blind beggar. And I believe there's many people who are Christians. They've received Christ. They've received the forgiveness of sins. But they have never thrown off their past identity. It's time to let it go. That's not who you are anymore. You are free. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. Praise God. 
So Jesus asks the simple question, what do you want me to do? And, and he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him. Have you ever experienced it immediately? How many have experienced it immediately? I mean, where, where God just stepped in and did something just quick. Amen. Amen. Some, some of you raised your hand. How many love immediately? <laughs> I love immediately. Amen. <laughs> I don't want to wait. <laughs> I want immediately, amen? Yeah. Praise God. Mark chapter one, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Mark chapter two, immediately he picked up his bed. Mark chapter five, immediately her issue of blood was healed. Mark chapter five, verse 42, immediately the girl that was dead sat up. <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Jesus have mercy. If you're, if you're here this morning and you, and you need a touch in your body, you need, or maybe you need a, a touch in your family or you're touching your finances, you need the intervention of God in your life today. You need Jesus to step in and say, I will. <laughs> you need that today. Your family needs that today. If you need it immediately today, I just want you to stand. Just stand as an expression of faith this morning. I'm just going to pray for you, just, just right where you're at. If you need it immediately, just stand up. This is an expression of faith. Amen. I'm standing with you because we need it immediately in our family too. Amen. Praise God. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> We say, Jesus, have mercy. <laughs> Compassion that has power. In the name of Jesus, we pray for, for every person who's standing, who's taken this step of faith this morning and saying, God, I need it immediately. I need you to step in. I need you to step into my body. I need you to step into my family. I need you to step into my finances. I need you to step into my situation. And right now, oh God, we ask you, Lord, to step in, even today in the name of Jesus. Yes. We thank you, Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And we pray that even this morning in the name of Jesus, that you would reach out your hand and touch people right where they stand this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you that are standing, would you just lift your, lift your voice to the Lord and just, just say thank you to Jesus. Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you that you've heard us today, God. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you don't change. That you're still working. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Luke 9 tells us that Jesus was about, Luke 19 tells us Jesus was about out of Jericho. 
Now there's a huge crowd. I mean, there was, you know, at first there was this little group, and then blind Bartimaeus is, he, is healed, and man, now that crowd is huge. And all surrounding Jesus, and there's a little guy by the name of Zacchaeus. You all know the story. You've known it ever since you were a child. And, and, um, and Zacchaeus just has raw curiosity. I mean, he's not godly. He's not interested in Jesus, really, spiritually. But just rock your eyes. He's heard about this guy. He's healed people. All these wonderful things have happened. Now blind Bartimaeus has been healed. He sees a, sees a sycamore tree, which is, which is a, a, a very large tree, a powerful tree that was used for timber, mighty tree, famous for his timber. So he climbs up into this big tree. He's got $50 seats, you know. He's sitting up there and he, he's, he's thinking, man, I got, I, I got a perfect view and so I can see this guy, Jesus. And, and Jesus starts walking, walking closer and closer and closer and all of a sudden now he's, he's right underneath him and he stops and he looks up at Zacchaeus. Can you imagine? <laughs> I should that guy about fell out of the tree. His heart probably almost stopped and he's wondering, what in the world is he looking up at me for? He looks up at him. And I see in the eyes of Jesus his compassion, his love, his, his acceptance. He loves lost people. Aren't you glad? <laughs> he wouldn't be saved if he didn't love lost people. He loves lost people. And he talks to them. And by the way, Zacchaeus, you know what his name meant? Pure and righteous one. <laughs> What a paradox. This guy was, was, was as far away from being pure and righteous as anybody. I mean, he was, he was the least righteous person on all of Jericho. Despite, he could not even go in the synagogue. Do you know that? They wouldn't, they wouldn't allow these guys, these tax collectors into the synagogue because they were considered so filthy. I wonder if, if Zacchaeus had a plaque on his wall that was a, a common Jewish statement, I, excuse me, a Roman statement, common Roman statement. This is, this is absolutely true. Money has no smell, no matter what cesspool it's fished out of. <laughs> I'm sure that was his theme of life. <laughs> but now Jesus says, I want to come to your house. He didn't even have time to clean house. Some of you ladies know what that's all about. It's kind of like, you know, your husband invites a friend over and you think, ah! <laughs> I didn't have time to clean house. <laughs> Here Zacchaeus comes home with Jesus of all people. And the wonderful thing happens. Wonder. A wonderful spirit of repentance comes upon this guy. Comes upon this deep sinner. Zacchaeus, so far from God. Jesus touches his life. And something happens inside. And he blurts out, half my goods I'm going to give to the poor. 
And anybody that I've taken advantage of, I'm going to pay them back four times. I can almost hear Jesus laughing when he says, salvation has come to this house today. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, a, that was the most impossible thing that, that would ever happen to Zacchaeus, that he would ever give half of his goods to the poor or pay anybody back, let alone four times. You've experienced, I've experienced it. A spirit of repentance is a wonderful thing. When it's not, it's not some person, it's the Holy Spirit who comes upon us. And I ask you to bow your heads with me right now. It's a wonderful thing when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And because of that, there's a spirit of repentance that happens. It's not imposed upon us by people. It's imposed upon us by the Spirit of God. And we recognize there's some stuff in our life that he wants to touch and he wants to heal and he wants to forgive and he wants to cleanse. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to do any of that. But if you're here this morning and you need to respond in repentance and you sense the presence of God just coming upon your heart this morning and you're saying, Lord, please forgive me. If that's in you, just, just raise your hand. Just hand up, hand down. Yes, yes. Others? Yes, I see your hand. Others this morning? Yes. Yes. Young, older, <laughs> How many times have I had to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for a spirit of repentance. We pray, oh God, that you just keep it up with us, Lord. Keep pouring out a spirit of repentance upon us, Lord. God, we ask you for that, and right now, Lord, we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge that we've gone our own way. We, we acknowledge the fact that we have rebelled against you or resisted you or, or just did what we wanted to do. And, and Lord, we repent of it today. And we say, Jesus, forgive us. <laughs> Cleanse us today. Restore us today. Renew us today by the work of your spirit. We receive it today in Jesus' name. We receive your cleansing. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your freedom. We thank you, God, that we can walk out of here with our, with our heads held high because of what you have done for us even this morning. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing this morning in Jesus' name. So it's been a long trip back to Bethany. I'm almost done. Been a long trip. A lot's happened. Blind Bartimaeus has been healed. Zacchaeus has come to Christ. It's wonderful. Now he arrives in Bethany and, and it's dark with grief and confusion and loss and death. 
It's been four days. And according to Jewish tradition, when a person has been dead four days, it's kind of gross, but this was the reality because, you know, they, they didn't do what happens today. The funeral is immediate, and after four days, the face is no longer recognizable. And, 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 and in Jewish tradition, they said that once the face is no longer recognizable, the soul and spirit is gone. And so it, this was hopeless, hopeless. Say hopeless. <laughs> this was hopeless. In John chapter 11, we see a lady who, who shines. And, and, and let me just say that this, this lady's kind of got a bad rap. Her name is Martha. The only time you've thought about Mary and Martha, you've al always thought about Martha in a negative sense because she was the one who was in the kitchen and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was the one who said, Jesus, won't you tell my sister to come and help me? And, and Jesus said, she's chosen the better part. And so we've always kind of looked down on Martha. But here we see in the moment of crisis that Martha is the one who shines. Mary doesn't come out. But when Martha hears that Jesus has come, she comes to meet Jesus. And in verse 20, it tells us, Well, if I would get the right book, I'd be better off. There we go. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha's honest. Jesus wants you to be honest with him. Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, she had good theology, by the way. She said, I know he will rise again on the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And God bless Martha. She didn't say, well, I would have if you would have raised Lazarus from the dead. I would have if you would have showed up. I would have if, if, if we would have got what we needed from you, but, but you didn't come when we needed you, and my brother died, so no, I don't believe in you anymore. But no, Martha doesn't say that. She, she doesn't know what Jesus is going to do, but she says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love it. In her darkest hour, with no knowledge of what Jesus was going to do in raising her brother from the dead, she remained true to her faith in Christ. I love that. She shines in this darkest hour. And so they end up going to the tomb. Jesus asks where it is. They take him to it. He shows his, his, his compassion Tells him to take away the stone. Martha says, yeah, I don't think you want to do that. He's been dead four days. <laughs> Doesn't smell very good. Jesus said, didn't I say to you, if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? 
And then Jesus prayed a simple prayer. I thank you that you've heard me, Father. But for their sake, I'm praying this. The tomb is now open. And the scripture says that Jesus cried with a loud voice. It's the same word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, where it says the Lord descends with a shout. You know what that is? It's, it's the cry of a large crowd. So Jesus didn't say, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> he shouts it, Lazarus, come forth. And this guy comes hopping out, huh? <laughs> All wrapped up, you know. And everybody, you know, their knees are knocking and their hearts pounding and some of them are on their knees and some of them are wondering, what in the world is going on? And Jesus says, let him go. <laughs> Can you imagine the first guy? I'm not sure if I should do this. <laughs> what am I gonna see? It was a miracle, wasn't it? The impossibility had just happened. <laughs> Some of you have prayed for something for a long time. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep believing God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead can raise your Lazarus from the dead. It may be a loved one who's far from God. It may be something that you've hoped for that you think would never come to pass. It could be a physical issue. But I believe with all my heart that he is able to meet us and touch us and heal us and bring our Lazaruses to life again. How many have got a Lazarus you'd like to see raised from the dead? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As I was going over this this morning, I felt impressed that I should ask you just to say some pronouncements after me this morning. We're going to do it carefully, prayerfully, thoughtfully this morning. And so what I say as a statement, I just want you to follow me by repeating that after me, okay? I will trust you in the dark. Now think about that. God, we will. We will trust you. Even when we don't have answers. Even when it seems that you're not moving. We will trust you. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord. Lord, we're going to continue to pray that over and over and over, 
that you would have compassion that would work. Compassion that has power. We're going to believe you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. May the spirit of repentance remain on me. Oh, God. If we stray, show up. (laughs) If we go the wrong direction, make it clear. Even as you did for Zacchaeus. May a spirit of repentance rest on us. And this is the last one. May my Lazarus come forth. Say it again. May my Lazarus come forth. God. We're going to keep our doors and windows of faith open. We're going to keep believing you. We're going to keep looking to you with hope and and confidence and assurance. We will not let go. And we are believing that, God, you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And what you did in raising Lazarus from the dead, you can raise our Lazaruses from the dead to God. We claim it today in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Would you just lift your voice to the Lord in praise right now? Come on. Come on. Just begin to praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. You are a Lazarus-raising God. You are a blind Bartimaeus-healing God. You are a Zacchaeus-forgiving God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. 